Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Greetings, everybody, on this fine, fine Monday up here in the great state of Maine. After work, oh man, moving boats, moving blocks, moving jack stands. Sweaty, dirty work on a hot, sunny day. Nothing could be better. I am <laughs> feeling feeling good, but definitely feeling sore. Uh, it was pretty much a, I don't know, like shotgun, shotgun getting back to work, if that makes any sense. I sailed in on a Thursday afternoon, 6 a.m. Friday. I was working. Did the full day and then did some work on the boat this weekend. Straight back in 6 a.m. this morning. And uh, yeah, it feels good. Feels really good to be back uh, actually doing doing some sort of manual, manual-ish labor, I guess you would call it. But the boat yard is full and uh, we need to start clearing some of these boats out. We're still in the water here. Uh, I'm tied up to the dock, which is nice. So I have electricity for those chilly nights. I can plug in a little heater, which is very helpful. And I can get off and go walk around anytime I want. A lot of times I come up here and I get sort of stuck out on the mooring. And that becomes a bit of a pain because I don't have a dinghy. And usually have to borrow one, and then it's kind of I don't know it's it's not the best situation. I I I don't enjoy being on a mooring buoy all that much. Um, Sparrow has a tendency to the rub her bow her bob stay on the lines, and it sort of makes noise. And then you got lobster boats coming and going, and I don't know. You don't get a, the best sleep, or at least I don't. Uh, but tied up to a dock, that's not too bad. I'm just hoping that I get hauled out here uh, within the next, within this week, because the weather looks good. I don't see any, any real rough stuff coming. Any, any heavier winds are all coming from the south later on, and that doesn't affect this little marina uh, boatyard right here. So the goal is to try and get out ASAP, because if we do get, if we get a nor'easter, up here, I have to go and sail the boat somewhere else, maybe out to Vinyl Haven and find a little cove somewhere, which probably wouldn't be the worst of things, but that's sort of the incentive for the rest of the guys to get me hauled out and find a space for me. But that's that's sort of the big problem is there really isn't any any big space uh, available yet in the boatyard. We are just jam-packed, but with the sun shining and the temperatures going up, people are going to start chomping at the bit to get their boats in. And we'll be running around uh, like crazy people soon enough, which I like. I like that high-intensity go, go, go sort of work day. You know, not even have time to look at your watch. But I, I thoroughly enjoy the team of people that I get to work with up here at Night Marine is top shelf. I mean just really good people and they recognize when you work hard uh but they're also they're not they're not driving you into the ground trying to burn you out every second of every minute you know so it's it's pretty good and and good people fun people and 
you can clown around at work as long as you're working hard and I don't know. That's the sort of stuff I sort of like, and I don't have to worry if I didn't shave or, uh, you know, any of that sort of stuff. I I like wearing the night marine shirt, for sure. Kind of feel like uh, I, I'm putting on a badge when I have it on because you can walk around the boatyard and tell people <laughs> what to do or what not to do. But at the same time, it's not, it's kind of not like wearing like a full-on uniform to work sort of thing, but. I don't know. Mine's filthy, filthy. I my hands. I one of the things we're doing this year with the jack stands, which hold up the boats. They're these big, heavy, you know, heavy steel triangles essentially, and they have a big screw top with a little wood plate, and that's what rests against the boat. But we're we're tackling the the area where we store them so that we can actually clean them all up and stuff. Uh, you know, oil them up and and use a steel brush. Literally, I grab these things, and they're all greasy and everything. My hands are essentially black by the end of the day. And uh, it takes quite a bit of scrubbing to get that cleaned off. And actually, I never really get it cleaned off. It's funny when you look at your hands, and the dirt, they look absolutely filthy, but you've just been cleaning them for two minutes, so at least you know they're clean. But when you're eating a sandwich or something with these claw brown black hands but you know it's clean (laughs) it's a little different though uh from back in the day when i was when i was doing uh plumbing and stuff because when you're doing plumbing you really have to make sure your hands are clean and the number one rule for plumbers don't bite your nails (laughs) so that's uh the day-to-day and i've i've nailed down hopefully a couple of couple of people to sit down with and talk lobstering, talk fishing, talk boats. Um, quite a few good people around here. I just gotta, I just gotta pin them down and make sure that we can, I can drag them aboard Sparrow and have a a quick hour with them and, and talk about some of their, their experiences and such. I did have, I set up the microphones the other day in Murph's shack, uh, hoping to get a nice little podcast, but boy, Murph is one of the most popular people around. And so, other people come around, and I just I just turned the microphones on, and Heath Heath came in, he chatted for a while, but unfortunately, when I listen to it, I still may try and cut something together, I guess, but I I got about forty five minutes of of uh, you could just I I don't think it would be really good for an actual podcast. I think it would be very hard to follow uh, what what's actually going on. Who knows? You know, it's it's. It's one of those things where I really want to make sure I'm putting out quality content and a good conversation that that can be followed and you can learn things from it and and hear about the experiences of these people instead of just a whole bunch of guys sitting around and and joking and um you know half of them aren't talking into the microphone and I don't know. So in any event, I will be getting uh hopefully Murph is my number 1. Just got to uh, just got to pin him down one of these days after work. It's a little hard because we we are all pretty tired uh, after work, and sort of the last thing you want to do is try and focus some more. But you know, catch him at the right moment, and and we should be good. So for the rest of this podcast, I figure I might as well just tack on the last few podcasts from this final trip, and uh, that way that one's 
done and out of the way and yeah basically that'll that'll bring you right up to speed as far as how this trip went and getting all the way back up here back to Maine and then we'll we'll sort of go from there I I have no future plans as of yet I do know that I need to clean the fuel tanks on this boat I need to pull the prop shaft out probably replace the cutlass bearing uh, and look at the stuffing box and all that sort of thing. Other than that, there's only a few minor issues that I need to deal with on on the boat before she is ready to go again. Um, the one big thing that I'm missing at this point is a new set of sails because I'm starting to see rips in the big, mean, heavy-duty mainsail. And the staysail is just, I don't want to say it's whipped, but it's its looking in rough shape. So, I don't know. The the cost of doing something like that is pretty expensive. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where if I've learned anything from the last couple of trips, I do not want to do another big trip under the gun as far as timing and budget. So, if I am prepared to go and head out and do one more big trip somewhere because uh, I do have something sort of cooking up in my head. I haven't figured it all out yet, but I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I want to do it right so that uh, I can get out there and, and go through the motions and enjoy the time out there and not be worried about you know using a set of sails that's three or four or five years old that have have I've already sailed 60,000 miles on. You know, that's that's just no way to go out there. And uh, if I want to do one more trip, I want to make sure it's a successful start-to-finish trip. And I know there's no guarantees because the weather plays the biggest role in that of all, as we found out on the last trip. But uh, I want to be as prepared as possible and, and try not to do it too much on a shoestring. So we'll sort of see. But, uh, yeah, for the rest of this, we'll I'll tack on the other parts from the – from the voyage and getting up to the Gulf of Maine and then hopefully uh, pulling right in here. So hopefully you guys enjoy that big shout out to uh, the Patreon family. Thank you again for continuing to support this podcast really, really uh, means a lot and uh, I can't thank you all enough. So appreciate it. And uh, here we go. Oh, good morning. (laughs) And a fine morning. It is. May 16th, Monday, and uh, beautiful out. Woke up pretty early and was able to see that the fog had lifted and we're catching a favorable current. A little offshoot of the Gulf Stream headed to the northeast. Mm -mm. So I went back to bed. (laughs) Big bright moon and then uh, woke up. Just before six. <sighs> and it's just, I it, it's so hard to describe the feeling of being so exhausted and so frustrated all last night. We, we had sailed pretty decent up to about the sunset and then winds got really light. And we're just barely, you know, sails are slatting but not violently. So I kept them up. We were doing about between one and a half and two and a half knots. Fishing traffic all around. Some container ships as well. 
And then it gets dark. It's foggy. It had been foggy pretty much all day. Kind of a low point of the trip. You know, I'm I'm thinking about what the ad should look like uh, for Mighty Sparrow on on Yacht World. <laughs> that sort of that sort of stuff. But basically, chilling. The wind slowly picked back up after hours and hours, and I mean hours and hours of just barely moving. Ah, it's just one of those things. It's it's infuriating, but if you sit here and get yourself all worked up, then that's all you're doing is getting worked up. You're not going to be able to change a single solitary thing about what Mother Nature has provided for you at that particular moment. So it is what it is, and I kept moving, plugging away, watching the beautiful moon and then watching the moon slowly disappear unfortunately the fog came in pretty thick at that point i could still see it but i couldn't uh i didn't get the full effect and then went down below ended up getting a little bit of sleep waking up and it was pitch black out so the eclipse was full effect full fog but holy cow the ocean was absolutely lit up as the winds filled back in we're all of a sudden moving fast again. Dolphins are around shooting around all lit up green with their big long trails. I mean, we're we're in sort of the phosphorus phosphorescent uh, area. You know, here up past George's Bank is usually pretty epic as far as lighting up of the sea. And uh, having no moon really helped as well because it brought it all out, but was up on deck for a little while watching all that and just sort of enjoying the fact that the sails were no longer slatting frustration levels sort of lowered out a bit and yeah got got to sort of a good place and as i got away from most of the traffic then then all of a sudden it was it was bunk time and man oh man it felt good I got in my bunk and I was out really fast. Only slept for maybe half an hour or an hour when came across another container ship. And so had to get up for that one. But then that one was gone. And then back in the bunk for at least two hours straight without interruption, oh, which I needed so bad. <laughs> you almost get desperate for it after a while uh but it was it was great and super crazy vivid dreams so obviously my mind needed to take the the big break it had built up a huge amount of dreams i've heard at least that's what happens if you don't get really good rem sleep uh your your brain sort of builds up this this back catalog of dreams and and thoughts and things like that and so when you finally do fall asleep and get into that state then all of a sudden you're you're in crazy town for a while and I definitely was last night but uh then woke up uh like I said and now it's beautiful out it's so interesting to see the fog like live in the fog for a couple of days and have your your world sort of curtained in a little bit and then once it lifts holy cow you feel like you can see I feel like i can see across the atlantic see big ben over there <laughs> mm. ah so i've got my coffee 
I've got a nice big breakfast burrito sitting over there cooling off. I am going to have to, I got to figure out, I've got, I can get a forecast for my area around me right now through the Garmin inReach. And it's showing pretty much, it's coinciding with what the long range forecast had for me. Uh, but I can't seem to download the weather through the sat phone. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it'll be all right as far as getting up to Cape Cod. I know there's one strange little thing that's supposed to be coming off, uh, sometime on Wednesday. So I think what I'm going to do, the winds are pretty light right now, so we're not moving too fast. We're going about between four and five knots and we're headed at about zero five zero degrees. So we're headed right at the mark, which is the entrance to the Great South Channel. I think what I might do, because the winds are supposed to go from being more out of the south to being more out of the west to then a half a day or something of northwesterlies. And so I want to kind of be able to hit those northwesterlies in the right way where I can reach across them. So I think I might head a little more north. The only problem with that... If I head more north, get up past 40 degrees, then I'm getting onto the continental shelf and all the fishing boats and all that sort of stuff. So it's sort of a trade-off. I mean, there's a lot of containers, container ships around because the entrance to New York and all that sort of stuff, Philadelphia, all these places is they're they're right on the coast. And even though I'm really far out, well, not really far. I think I'm probably a hundred miles out. It's one of those things where I'd rather put up with container ships or deal with container ships than fishing vessels because fishing vessels keep changing their course and you don't know exactly what they're thinking. Container ships are pretty much, they're going that way and you can, you can count on it. So I think what I'll probably end up doing is maybe just slowing down a little bit um, just to... To sort of once, because once the northwesterlies pass, it's going to switch right back to westerly, which is what I want. A westerly to go up through the Great South Channel is perfect. You can beam reach, you got a lot of power, you got a lot of speed, you can break away, get into the Gulf of Maine, past Georges, and then you're you're pretty much in the zone at that point. If for whatever reason my my sort of secondary plan, if if this northwesterly turns out to be pretty stiff um, and exciting and crazy, if I need to, I can just broad reach away and go around George's Bank and then cut back up. Obviously, I'd I'd rather not do that because it's going to add probably a day onto the adventure here. And I'd like to get up to Maine by Friday morning so that there's a possibility I can get hauled out. But if we can't, we can't. We'll do what we can. It's all right. I don't mind being on a mooring buoy for the weekend. Ah, it just feels good. It feels good that the sails aren't slatting. I am so happy. Oh, Sparrow's doing really well. She's taking the beating. Man, I was. I had this big, huge jug of sunscreen. It's not expired or anything like that. I put it on all day yesterday, and I got cooked. So I don't know what's going on with that stuff, but I switched it up to a little bit of uh, Neutrogena Beach Defense. This stuff's good. 
till when? That's the thing I never knew about sunscreen until my mom told me that it expires and you have to make sure you uh, keep tabs on that. Uh, this one is good until the end of this year. Nice. So I'm good to go. I'm covered. And this is 50 instead of the other stuff. The other stuff, I think, was 30. I don't know. Really don't like wearing sunscreen all that much because the slabbing chemicals all over my skin. I've done it for decades uh, in copious amounts, especially in the Caribbean. And it helped. I mean, I figure it's better than an actual sunburn, but I'm a fair-skinned guy. Uh, actually, some I, I would be considered... Uh, Lobster red most of the time, even if I'm not sunburnt. I've got a pinkish hue, unless I have a tan, which I don't usually have all that often unless I'm out at sea. Uh. But yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, I think the game plan, ideally for me, the biggest concern is I don't want to be in between the Nantucket Shoals and George's Bank in the Great South Channel trying to beat into a northwesterly, a strong northwesterly, like a 25-knot northwesterly. So I think what I'll probably end up doing is trying to slow down a little bit. It's 150 miles to the entrance to the Great South Channel right now. The wind is supposed to pick up in a day and a half. So it's almost perfectly aligned for me entering there. And so ideally... Ideally, if I slow down just a little bit, which I'm already kind of slowing, and once I get out of this little this little offshoot of the Gulf Stream, I'm sure I'll slow way down. But the winds are supposed to pick up as well out of the southwest. So, I don't know. I think, I think as soon as the winds pick up a little bit, we'll douse the drifter. So right now I've got full main, big drifter, and what I'll probably end up doing to keep the speed down is pull out the staysail. And uh, maybe throw a reef in the main, just to if I can keep it at about four knots, and I should hit hit my stride right when I want to. Uh, it will be kind of a pain because I believe that'll put me in the Great South Channel at night, but I've done that plenty of times before. I don't think it really matters day or night, to tell you the truth, because there's so many fishing boats and stuff up there that you know it is what it is. Uh, I don't know how many times, I think I've gone through the Great South Channel twice and then around George's like four or five times. I don't, I don't know. It all depends on what the wind does really. So I guess the point of my little tirade there is that I have a few different options to consider and I'm also making sure that I have a couple of exit strategies in case things get a little hairy because George's Bank is really not a place for a sailboat to mess around, let alone any boat. Um, when when things get really, really bad there, they get horrific because the currents are so crazy and strong and unpredictable and super shallow. There's shoals. There's not a lot of wiggle room. The amount of stories. There's a great book, uh, Fatal Forecast, about the, uh, the sea fever and... I forget what the other boat is. There's like two or three boats that sort of play roles in that one. It's Bob Brown and the Brown family, his son, and then um Oh, uh, what's the guy's name? Who ends up in the life raft? The only the only survivor of the boat. Um 
Shoot, I can't remember it. Darn it. But anyway, uh, Ernie, ha- Ernie Hazard. Yeah, he ends up in a life raft by himself, basically in his underwear for, uh, I want to say, 24, 48 hours, something like that. Some like bare, I, It's impossible to even think that anybody would survive because it was in November. Yeah, this is back in the 80s, and it was essentially a weather buoy. One or two weather buoys weren't working, but they were still pumping out the forecast and not letting mariners know that their buoys weren't working. And so they put out a forecast, turned out to be the exact opposite of what it should have been. It's blowing, you know, 80 knots to the gale. It's insane. Um, I think it got up to, like, hurricane force or whatever, And it was just a bomb, you know, it's just one of those things where low pressure system comes off, it explodes, and kaboom! Oh, man. Gosh, I feel almost giddy with excitement. (laughs) Mm. I think the rest of my day is going to be spent uh, reading, maybe a nice little nap. I'm going to switch some sail up first and foremost. Oh, drink some um, some hot water with lemon in it. It's actually warm out today. That's one of the things. I had like three big cups of coffee yesterday, and I could feel the jitters. So I got to slow down on that one. Uh, I think I'm going to sort of switch it up, have my morning coffee, and then after that do just hot water with a slice of lemon in it. Done. That's it. No sugar, no spice, nothing keep those kidney stones away not that i've ever had any knock on wood but i've heard that's good for it and it doesn't taste all that bad it's kind of an acquired taste but once you acquire it it's uh actually not too bad i do wonder if if drinking that sort of stuff is uh, bad for your teeth it's a lot of acid but can't be any worse than uh, coca-cola so obviously i'm rambling now uh so we'll probably cut this one down um and just include it in the rest. I think this is the third update, because it is day three out here, which is pretty cool. And yeah, hopefully, I think if I keep this pace up of the you know 10 to 20 minuters, we'll end up with a good hour and a half podcast by the time I get up there. Plus, obviously, the landfall podcast, which I always love to do. The recap, the rehash. Uh, but yeah, so other than that, got to clean the uh, greasy pan. I'm going to do some boat checks. I do have to go and get the pipe wrench on the old uh, on the old prop shaft before we start speeding up and she starts freewheeling. Engine was purring last night. Took a little little bit to get it started. I'll probably try and fire up the engine. Today, just a little bit before I do the pipe wrench jobby, but I don't know. I I think there's something I I definitely need to pull the shaft out when I get up there because it just doesn't sound quite right. There's something wrong with like the stuffing box. It's not dripping a ton of water, but maybe that's the problem. Uh, But when just the engine is running and I'm just idling it at a thousand RPMs or whatever, oh my gosh, she sounds lovely. Absolutely lovely. So I'm starting to kind of think maybe the engine's not too much the issue. Maybe it's more the prop shaft. And let's just hope that that shaft stays on and everything is okay for... I can only see myself probably having a motor 
tops maybe another like 10 hours if I get becalmed in the Gulf of Maine. But we'll we'll sort of see. We'll we'll pass that wave when we get to it. All right. Well, thanks for joining me and uh the next update will uh come either tomorrow or tonight. We shall see. Thanks for listening. Okay. Good morning. Greetings from <laughs> the Gulf of Maine. Yes. We are approximately 40 or 50 miles due east of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, USA. Feeling good about it, too. Great South Channel was, uh, dare I say, timed perfectly, even though I had no idea what the tides were going to be. So kudos to Mighty Sparrow and uh, Neptune and Poseidon and all those people. For getting me through that nice and easy. Mm. It was uh, a pretty good day. Long day yesterday. But good. Uh, the winds actually. It was weird. It started out westerly. And so I crossed the traffic. Traffic uh, separation area. And then started peeling off towards the east. Because you got to get around the Nantucket Shoals. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure better, better sailors than I uh, would would be able to cut through those shoals and have no problems. And for the most part, it's it's plenty deep. But I don't have a lot of experience going through those, and I know the tide rips through a lot of it. I mean, it's got names like Fisherman's Rip and China Rip and all this stuff. And I'm like, nah, because, uh, you know, the the nightmare scenario is that you, you wander into these shoals, the tide switches on you, and it's running at seven knots in the wrong direction, and now you're just sort of stuck there and find yourself in a pretty ugly little spot. So, I don't know, maybe one day it'd be kind of cool, but on Old Sparrow, doing five knots through the water, mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer clear. So going, going, going. Luckily there wasn't much traffic at all. Even though those those traffic separation areas, they're really uh they even say it in the notes on the chart in big bold letters. They're recommended. It's not enforced or you don't have to use them. It's just a way to sort of keep keep things in line and, and give these big huge tankers and cargo ships somewhere to go. In any event, I still don't want to be in them sailing around like a moron the wrong direction. Because it is sort of like a street on the sea, in a way. And uh, so I got out of there. And there's a big sort of meeting convergence zone just to the southeast of the Nantucket Shoals. And then it splits. So one goes up to the north to go to Boston. The other one goes due west to go to New York. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, basically make the corner. And I thought, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to turn this corner because I was going straight downwind, wing on wing, pulled out staysail. Boat's been rolling. Not too bad. I got, I'm got i obviously pretty used to that. What I'm not used to is with, with all the swell and the cross seas, the staysail 
is sort of filling and collapsing a little bit. Uh, it's pretty taut the way that I do it. So the sail is, is um, it's not like slack or anything, but when it collapses or when it, when it back winds and then fills back in, it's kind of, there's a, an audible and tangible sensation of pressure and shock load. Nothing horrible, but it's not. It's nothing you want to listen to for 12 hours, and I had been listening to it for a lot longer than that. So I was looking forward to making this turn, turning 90 degrees and, and heading due north on a beam reach going across the wind. Oh, finally, no use of the pole, no use of the preventer, that sort of thing. And as I'm approaching the turn, the winds start to veer. Um and come around or no they start to back and come around out of the southwest so i just continue uh for the next few hours but i make it around there's this one little wreck which is, is sort of the real corner of the nantucket shoals <clears throat> and make it around there and end up just staying with the sails just like that um and then heading skirting the shoals uh all the way up for the next couple of hours and then the wind sort of filled in a little bit, and I have to now cross the next separation zone. And luckily, again, there's no traffic, so I just blaze right through that. But that's the key, is the tide swung around in that hour or two. And in the Great South Channel, it rips either north or south. I mean, it's like, think of the Gulf of Maine as the lung the great south channel is the nose so it's breathing in it's breathing out and as that tide switches i mean it's going i i went from doing three knots or something when i was going sort of against it to to doing eight knots no problem nice and steady which spit me right out uh pretty much past nantucket and all that and now, essentially, in the Gulf of Maine. Oh, and I was able to, by about, I'd say by about 10, 10 or 11, obviously there's fishing boats everywhere. The whole night sky is lit up by them. It's absolutely incredible. I always kind of feel a little bit bad for the ocean when I see all that, but at the same time, you know, got to fill those shelves, I guess, but. So there's tons of boats, but they're not all that bad. I never actually uh, ran into any clusters of scalloping fleets. I think those guys, more often than not, when I've run into them, it's been on the west or the east side of George's Bank. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty easy. And although I still have quite a bit of the Gulf of Maine to go, it's, uh, let's see, we got anybody on radar right now? Uh, nope. So if I wanted to, I could finish my coffee, do my boat check. I already did the log because it's about 6.15 in the morning. I go right back to bed. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I would love to because it's freezing out. I think it's in the 40s this morning. Oh, I'm, thank goodness. I bought I bought a sleeping bag from... From Goodwill, which is where I do uh, most of my shopping, 
for things like clothes and and things like that, shoes. Because you just can't be. I mean, I've I've gone in and paid five bucks for a pair of shoes that look brand new, and they last me six years. Go figure. Anyway, so I uh, the one up in Maine, they they were selling. They sold sleeping bags, new sleeping bags, for I think it was like eighteen bucks. And oh, if it is not one of the warmest sleeping bags I have ever had, oh, and it was great. I was cocooned up in that thing last night. Oh, I felt so good. <clears throat> and I, you know, I'm obviously I've done quite a bit of hiking and stuff. I've you can buy a sleeping bag for like four hundred dollars, and it's not going to do any better of a job. Well, I shouldn't say that. It ain't better of a job, at least when you're in inside. Maybe when you're out there camping, it's a little bit different. Um, well, maybe not. Who, who knows? Who knows? I don't even know what this one's filled with. But either way, it has served me for many a year now. And it cost whew, next to nothing. Oh, man. Wow. Thoughts on life? Life is good right now. We've got pretty minimal sale up. After I finish this podcast, I'm going to listen to the old, the old forecast. Um, you know, and if you don't know what the forecast sounds like when you're out at sea, let me give you a little gander. Oh, tell me I'm not getting it right now. Ah. Interesting. I would have thought for sure I would be able to pick up the forecast. I don't know. Maybe it's on like some little break. Anyway, on a VHF radio, which is what normally you use to talk to other boats and stuff, you can pick up the weather channels. And it's just a robot voice, but it's one that I've that's I've listened to for over twenty years now. Uh, when you're, when you're coastal sailing, you can usually pick it up. I was able to get it not the whole way up here, but a good, good portion. Usually if you're closer than say 60 miles, at least in this boat with the VHF sitting 20 feet above uh, sea level or whatever, but it gives you, you know, your forecast and stuff. It was kind of funny yesterday though. It kept repeating the offshore forecast but it wouldn't tell you usually it says the offshore forecast for the gulf of maine and it, it just said the offshore forecast and it did it three times without signifying what offshore area they were talking about so that was a little annoying but i don't know it's always comforting to be able to get an absolutely updated forecast just on a radio without having to use a computer or a sat phone and all that sort of stuff. Oh, feels good. Feels really good to be in the Gulf of Maine. Oh, sorry. Wow. Wow. Tired. Be in the Gulf of Maine. Back, back in the old home, home territory. And... Right now we are almost uh we're almost a hundred hundred and forty five miles due south of the entrance to Rockland Harbor. Um uh, if 
the winds hold. We should be in there sometime after lunch tomorrow, which would be crazy. <clears throat> if the winds do not hold and they go light and we start, uh, I, well, you know, I don't, I honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get this engine to start. I haven't run it in a few days and it is so cold out. This engine hates hate starting when it's cold and i'm sure if i put a thermometer on that engine block right now it'd probably register about 42 degrees uh so i don't know we're gonna see i i think i think no matter what around one or two o'clock this afternoon it's nice and sunny once the volts, once we get like to almost full charge on the batteries, I'm probably going to try and uh, fire that old engine up because I know by Thursday I'm going to want it to get into Rockland. Nice part about going to a place like Rockland where you know the place and uh, you know people who have boats and things like that. If I had a real issue, I'd be able to call up a, a friend or two and get a tow in without having to call Towboat US or any of that sort of stuff. Although I don't even know if I've seen any boats like that up in up in Maine. But gives you a little bit of comfort knowing that uh, you know, after a nice little passage, if something's gone wrong and you can't you can't just fire up the old engine, then hey, we got your back. Rockland Harbor, where everybody knows your boat. Do 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 do. <laughs> so what is this? Day four? No, this is day five. This is Wednesday. I left on a Saturday, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, day five. Yes. Probably should have stated that right in the beginning, but I did not. I really did mean to try and make each each little portion of this as clear and concise and easy to follow along as possible because I know some of the ones in the past it's just you wouldn't even know I've switched from one day to the next but maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm I'm just confused <laughs> but who knows who knows ah breakfast yes what am I going to make for breakfast we're getting down to the, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing on this boat because I still have, and this is an estimate, but I, I, I want to say I have five to six months worth of doomsday prepper sort of food and, and mountain house meals, like camping food stuff. So essentially I could set out to see, say the apocalypse happens, say, say, you know, the East coast gets roasted by nukes. Uh, I could head out to sea and go down to like the South Atlantic uh, high, which is a high pressure area, much like the Azores high, but it's in the South Atlantic, which is essentially an empty ocean in a lot of ways. Uh, there's just not a lot of traffic down there and there's not a lot of anything and there's no flight paths, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, you'd head down there and I could pretty much, if I was rationing, I could probably live there for a year. But I could live fat and happy and eat all I wanted for six months. <clears throat> now, having that sort of thing on the boat all the time has changed 
how I provision for some of these smaller adventures because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm not going to run out of food. Hence, when I go shopping in the past, if I was going out for a 10-day trip, I would probably shop for a 15-day trip. Thus, I'd have way more food than I need, and I typically would eat a whole lot more than I should. And uh, which I, I'm, you know, out at sea, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, unless you're trying to really get into shape or whatever, which I seemingly always am since, uh, <laughs> since I turned like 30. Uh, in any event, there now what I do is I shop for, if I'm going out, if I think it's going to be five days, I've shopped for five days, maybe six. And so right now, my fridge is almost completely empty. I have one avocado. I have three wraps. I have some ham. (laughs) I have... uh, What else do I have? I have some eggs. I probably have almost a dozen eggs left. Because I usually have about three or four of those almost every day. And some cheese. I have two little tiny logs of crackers, uh, one can of sardines, and that's that's pretty much it for the fresh food stuff, uh, if you want to call that fresh food. I don't have any more green. I have my green powder. Again, I've got nine, well, I probably have four to five months worth of that stuff if I were to eat the maximum you know, like a full, full little cap full thing of that every single day, which I, you know, I don't know. I'm still not a hundred percent sold on those green powders. I'm not going to lie. All right. Got to do a, uh, a lobster boat check. I don't see any on the old AIS, but you know, every once in a while they don't have them on. So a lot that didn't last night. Oh, and actually <laughs> I got to hear some guys just yelling at each other, swearing on the radio, everything. Holy cow. Why are you steaming at me? You're steaming at me. That's how the, this, this argument was going. Obviously, somebody was fishing one spot. Somebody else is steaming right for him. But tempers got a little heated in the Gulf of Maine last night. Yikes. All right. I'm going to check for some boats. I'll be back. All clear. Okay. Uh, but the wind is easing quite a bit. It's still pretty much coming out of the west, and it's easing. So I need to put some more sail up and get this boat a moving. Right now we are only doing four knots, and I want to be doing five so that I can make sure I get in there. With a little time to spare, a little light, so I can find the mooring buoy, or hopefully, maybe, maybe, if the guys are really uh, awesome, they will clear that dock for me. We will see. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to go up and uh, do a little sail. But, yeah, just to finish up what we were talking about, (laughs) because you get these clusters of these fishing boats, and obviously these guys have been out here doing it for years. So there's, there's... Probably not a whole lot of joy in it. Maybe there is. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, these guys were arguing last night. Oh, man. I And I, it's one of those things where I, I can't turn the radio off. 
uh, in an area with this much fishing traffic because some of them have AIS on and some of them don't. And I think it's one of those things. It seems like the the boats, the bigger boats that are bright all that sort of stuff, they seem to not have the AIS going, maybe because they figure they're as bright as the surface of the sun and everyone can see them. I don't know. Either way, it's a little annoying when they don't have their AIS on because then you can't you can't pinpoint exactly uh, what they're doing because they're always doing these zigzag patterns, especially the scallopers because they're they're basically just mowing the mowing the seabed like a combine mows a cornfield in Nebraska. Oh man! Oh, though, though, winds winds coming back up. I think I now see this is the sailors' debacle right here. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what the wind's going to do, but I, I feel like it's going to either go from the last forecast, if memory serves, the wind's going to stay pretty much out of the west, but it might swing around to the southwest. And I essentially have only two options left. I have a, like a number three jib, which is a tiny one. And then I've got my drifter. Uh, you know, I, I gotta stop saying I got. I I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's more uh <laughs> pretty sure it's more proper to say I have. Uh because I, I hear it when I say it and I'm like, that's not right. In any event. In any event. Uh, yeah, so I've, I essentially, I got this big drifter and then I've got a small, ah, I did it again. <laughs> ah, my kingdom for a thesaurus. In my sale inventory, there is a drifter and there also is a small jib located in the four peak. Now, either sale is good. The drifter works better on a reach or a broad reach. But it is also very powerful. So if the winds do decide to pick up, then I'll probably have to douse it and then put up a different sail. Now, conversely, with the smaller jib, that one works really well if you have to beat into the wind. And I don't see that happening because I don't think the winds are going to come around out of the northwest uh, anytime soon. Uh, as if memory serves again, that that's not until maybe Friday or even Saturday. Essentially. So I've got time. I think, I think I'm going to go drifter just to power this beast up and sort of bank on the fact that we'll, if anything, we're probably going to see a swing to the Southwest, which means if I, cause Rockland is due North. So I want to go North. If I end up peeling off the wind a little bit this morning and heading a little bit more to the east, and then the winds end up swinging around more out of the south, it's not a problem. Easy peasy. I can sort of broad reach my way back over. But it is funny, in the lighter winds, with that drifter up, I mean, it, the seas are pretty flat, so it's not too much of an issue now. Out at sea, when you've got a pretty big swell, if you're trying to go downwind, which I was for the first like 
two days, three days of this voyage. Oh, it's awful. Light winds with a swell trying to keep the sails filled is essentially the name of the game. And it's a lot of times I end up just having to forget about what direction I'm trying to go. And just just reach because then I can power the sails up and at least keep moving. But it's this game of of like, oh yeah, it's going really well. Let me let me let me go more deeper broad reach see if i can really get some of that heading back and then essentially your sail starts slamming again and i don't know it's a debacle light winds that's well it's one of the things i really enjoy about offshore like way offshore sailing ocean sailing it doesn't matter if you need to change your course really abruptly just to be able to sail you can do it because you can usually make up what you've lost in the coming days or weeks as you cross an ocean. Although I guess sometimes you can't. I know when I was trying to make the equator and all that sort of stuff, boy, I was fighting on that last big trip. Jeez. Jeez. All right. Well, I'm rambling now. I've got to actually go and uh, take a look and see what I want to do. I'm going to try and tune in the weather, get an updated forecast, and uh, go from there. But, yeah, so this is going to be the last full day, unless I get flat becalmed or whatever, but last full day of the trip, day four, day five, sorry, in the Gulf of Maine. Hopefully the seas stay relatively flat because I always have enjoyed that in the Gulf of Maine. Because then you can deal with if the winds do lighten up, which oftentimes they do, then all of a sudden you can still sail because the the surface of the sea is so flat that there's no rolling of the mast. The mast isn't swaying, so you can actually you can sail it like a small boat sailing on a lake, which is sometimes kind of nice after being out in the rolly seas because boy yeah yesterday it definitely got lumpy we saw some surfs i don't think we ever got above 10 knots but we got pretty close so all's well that ends well (laughs) anyway might come at you again for an evening podcast tonight depending on how far we get up there uh because i know tomorrow if I'm tunneling in and I'm getting close, as soon as I get into those lobster pot areas, no matter what's going on, I got to be on deck. So if we do get in tomorrow, then the podcast will probably be from the mooring buoy. So I might try and do a little bit of a wrap up tonight. Who knows? We'll see. Thanks for listening. <laughs>